We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome to a Thursday edition of the Roadwire NBA podcast. Nick Whalen here with Alex. Uh, Alex, time has come. We have reached the point in the season where we are going to do our annual All NBA teams. We, we we've done this for several years. We we always lay out our All NBA predictions at the beginning of the season. Uh, did not want to go back and, and dig those up, uh, but you know, nonetheless, I, I think we have a really really difficult task ahead of us here. And you know, like I said, we've done this for several seasons now. I feel like I probably say this every year, but this was the most difficult all NBA teams I've ever had to put together, uh, especially the second and third teams. It's really tough. I mean, part of it, there, there's a ridiculous amount of talent. I think a lot of that talent is stacked at guard, but that's partially only the, the case because I think the forwards have been more affected by injury. Um, yes. And so you're trying to balance, you know, how much do games played matter and, that's that aspect has made it really tough in addition to the fact that the league is as good as it's ever been. The games played thing. I think we need to address that right away. That is far and away the, the biggest inflection point. I think when you're putting these teams together, uh, you know, there's been talk of instituting an actual hard line for you need to play X number of games or you're not eligible to make all NBA. You're not eligible to win MVP, things of that nature. I think that could be coming uh, as soon as next season. But for now we, we kind of just have to use our own judgment. We don't have a firm number. Um, and we, we still have, you know, about 10 games left for most teams. So you're, you're doing a little bit of projecting, you know, with someone like Steph Curry, uh, someone like LeBron James or Kevin Durant, where you're saying, okay, we, we get this report today that LeBron could maybe come back. You know, do we, do we tack on three or four more games to his projected total? Uh, but at the end of the day, I mean, it, it really is in the eye of the beholder because so many guys have missed so many games that, you know, we're not just talking about like one player being removed from the equation. I mean, uh, you know, there, there are like three, four five hall of fame caliber players who might not make a single all NBA team, depending on, you know, how much of a benefit of the doubt uh, some voters are willing to give them with games played. 
Yeah, and I mean, you know, you could look at tons of different stats when you want to do this, but if you just, you know, sort by VORP, Steph Curry has the 12th highest VORP in the NBA right now, which is a cumulative stat, Mm -hmm. and he's played 48 games. So, like, that's that's the extent that guys have been missing games where it's like there's a guy who's played 48 games that, in theory, if you just rank, like, the top, you know, um, 15 players in the NBA would have a legitimate case just individual season-wise. Right. And, you know, there are some guys, I think, who break that mold, uh, like DeMontis Sabonis, for example, who's played 70 games. Uh, Julius Randle's played 74. I don't think he's missed a single game all year. You know, playing close to 82 in any season is going to give you an inherent boost. But I think especially in this season, you know, like, I, I, you, know you, you don't want to necessarily you know hold it too much against guys who, who missed you know, a stretch of 10 or 15 games. But, you know, if Julius Randle plays all 82 games and, you know, you're looking at someone like LeBron who might play 49 games, like that to me is a, a, a big enough discrepancy that I'm not claiming that LeBron J- or that Julius Randle is a better player than LeBron James. But I, I think I almost give a little bit of extra credit to guys who in a season where everybody's missing games, like if, if you're not in that camp, uh, to me, I, I think that that's even more valuable. So Sabonis and Randle were the two that really stood out to me there. 72 is the new 82, I think, when it comes yeah. to this stuff. And um, yeah, I think, you know, we got word of the NBA. They, they want to potentially do a sort of um, a games played floor for this award, which I sort of, we'll get into it, but I sort of gave my own award, uh, my own floor for games played, which I put at, I, you know, we still have games left in the season, but I put it at 58. That would give you an opportunity mm-hmm. to play every team twice. Um, sure. And I think, I think that's kind of a fair number. We're doing some projection, you know, guys who played yeah. 54, stuff like that, but that's, that's kind of what I just said it at personally. Yeah. I look back to some of the recent all NBA teams and there's not, there, there, there's not like a hard number that we could say, okay, in years past, you know, this has been the the threshold that you have to clear. Uh, you know, KD made it last year playing in 55 total games. LeBron played in 45, two years ago, but that was a 72 game season. Uh, so a little bit of an anomaly there. Uh, but I, I think the other factor outside of games played is just how ridiculously deep the league is. And, you know, we're not not talking just talent, but even guys who are putting up career level seasons, right? I mean, that's been one of the biggest storylines in fantasy is it's not like you just have one or two guys putting up gaudy numbers. It feels like all the elite players are like 10% better than they were last year somehow. Um, And it's going to be interesting to see whether that continues, whether this is some sort of weird, you know, short-term blip. Uh, But, you know, I I think if you just kind of look at a lot of players' individual cases, I mean, I, I went through you know, the, the 15 guys that I have on my teams aside, like I, I felt like I could put together a fourth and a fifth team all NBA <laughs> that would rival like the normal second team. Yeah. Unfortunately my, well, yeah. I mean, if you, if you are a little looser with games played, then for sure there could be, there could be like a fourth team. And I felt really bad right. leaving some guys off. And even um, again, like I, I was kind of even debating like putting Anthony Davis on there because I thought third team forward was like very, it's just pretty bleak. And I was like, well, I, that was a tough decision. So I know, I don't think they should add a fourth team. Like you need some level of exclusivity and the decisions should be hard. Like we don't want to start not trying to sound like a boomer. Not everyone deserves a participation trophy. Um, So, but the, your, your point is right about just like the level of talent. I can't remember if we've discussed this on the pod and I I feel like it was either Rosillo or or Bill Simmons who threw this idea out uh, or at least they discussed it on one of their pods of either in addition to, or rather than all NBA teams, 
have the media and, you know, it could be players, former players, whoever, but I, I think the media, much like all NBA would be the first choice, rank the top 15 players in the league at the end of the year. Yeah. And it, that would kind of stand as the historical encapsulation of the season. So, you know, instead of saying, all right, well, we got to squeeze in DeAndre Jordan or Andre Drummond as a, a center, because that's what we've always done historically. It would be, no, these were voted at the end of the season based on everything we saw games played talent, whatever team success. These were the top 15 guys that year. I would, I would be down for that, but I would want to be way looser with games played. Like I would actually just mm -hmm. want it to be a list of who you think the 15 best players are. Like if, right. if you think Zion Williamson is the 15th best player and he only played 29 games, I think you just put him on there or, you know, even that year that Durant set out the whole year, if you wanted to that season stay, I still think Durant's a top 15 player. I think he should be on that list. And I think that'd be, that'd be a fun thing for the NBA to do officially. And I think it would be different enough from the all NBA yeah. to where it's, it'd be valid. I think it would be different enough. And I think it would command a ton of media attention because that's basically what everybody is doing in their group chats anywhere is right. trying to rank these guys. And I, I think historically it would be, it would be really cool. I mean, and that's the point that I think it was Simmons brought up, you know, you'd look back and be like, Oh man, LeBron was number one for eight straight years or, you know, James Harden was considered, you know, he's voted a top five player for 12 of the last 15 years. Like I, I do think that would give you better context than, uh, a lot of the all NBA stuff does just because of how much differentiation there is in terms of games played in terms of positions. Uh, with that said, I, I think as you laid out, you know, with like your KD case and your Zion case, I still think we would run into a lot of the same issues where, you know, I, I think the, the, you know, like I, I think a lot of people would have trouble with like the semantics of, well, the 15 best players versus the 15 players who had the best season that year. Yeah. I think maybe, I think just maybe all NBA would turn into like who was who had the best seasons. So maybe maybe the creation of the top 15 list would would make the all NBA trend more towards these are the best seasons. Yeah, which ultimately that's how I view it. Right. I, I don't I, I don't give anybody uh, a historical bump and say, well, you know, if you had stayed healthy, you would have made it. So we'll, we'll give you that. Or you know, you're a 10 time all NBA guy. Uh, you know, we'll, we'll give you the nod over somebody who hasn't made it like I. I truly think the best way to attack this, if you're a voter, is trying to encapsulate just the season, trying to eliminate the outside context. Yeah, there's. I give a little bit of the benefit of the doubt if they're if I'm really tied between two guys and I'm I'm trying to decide you know whether they should be you know who should be on what team or should this guy make it at all. I think if the if it's a tie, it goes to the guy who, I think historically has just been there and and done that more. Whether that's right or wrong, that's kind of just how I, I default. Like that, though, I think to some extent those guys deserve to be knocked off the pedestal. Sure, yeah, I, I think that's fair. If, if you if you view it as a true tie, um, then yeah, I think that's that's a good way to view it. So, uh, with that, with the games played, is there anything else that you you took into account when you put together these teams that, that we should hit on before we get into it? Uh no, I don't. I don't think anything specific. And if there is, and I'm not thinking of it right now, we'll we'll touch on it. Okay. Sounds good. Well, let's get to the, we'll start with the first team. How could we not give me your first team, all NBA for 2022, 23. Uh, this one was relatively straightforward. Although I, I kind of had a, a trouble with the, the first one of the guard spots, but I've Donovan Mitchell, Luka Doncic, Jason Tatum, Giannis and Jokic. Okay. You have interesting. We, we have two, two different guys right off oh, the wow. bat here. I, uh, I also had trouble with that guard spot. And this is the one that I, I really don't feel very strongly about. Uh, I, I think there are like probably 
as many as like five or six guys you could you could make a case for if you, if you really wanted to. I went with Luka Doncic as one guard. Uh, I also have Tatum and Giannis. Those those were the three stone cold locks. I went with Embiid at center. Okay. I, I think if the season ended right now, I think he'd be the MVP. Uh, I think he's you know, made more of a case over the last month, and I, you know, you, you you need to value October and November as much as you do March and April. I, I totally get that, but I, I would give a slight edge to Embiid, uh, and then I have SGA as my final guard. Uh, so obviously, consider Donovan Mitchell, consider James Harden, uh, consider Damian Lillard. The numbers are just that overwhelming. Uh, I think De'Aaron Fox has a, an outside, outside, outside case. He's not going to make first team. I don't think he should make first team, but there's somebody out there who I, I'm sure would like to make that case. Uh, and then if you know if you want to kind of throw the games played stuff out, then I think names like Steph Curry, Tyrese Halberton, and John Morant uh, potentially enter that conversation as well. Yeah, and it's it's also tough to say how much games played should like knock a guy down. Like, oh, if I want to put Steph Curry in my All NBA team, should I should I just put him first team, or should I be like, well, he only played forty, you know, by the end of the season, he'll end up playing like fifty four games or something. But should I put him third team because he didn't play that many games? So. That's a weird discussion to have as well. Um, but I was I was debating between SGA and Mitchell as well. I think they're having extremely comparable seasons. I think I think SGA is the better defender, but he's also on a significantly worse team. But if you kind of do the argument, well, what if we what if we flip flop these guys? What if we put Dominic Mitchell on OKC and SGA on on Cleveland? I think yeah. ultimately the seasons will end up relatively similar. And Jokic versus Embiid. I mean that's. To me, that's a complete toss-up right now. I still haven't made up my mind on MVP. Honestly, it's no, me it's neither. such a it's such a close debate. And like I mentioned before, um, I need to feel very, very definitive about Embiid to give him that first team nod over Jokic. So, mm-hmm. and I, I just don't feel that way. So I kept Jokic on. If you're a basketball junkie, then you know there's no better time of year than the NBA playoffs. Twice a week, J.J. Redick is cooking on his podcast, The Old Man and the Three. He has guys come on in all stages of their careers to talk about the league and share stories you won't hear anywhere else, including Devin Booker on why he talks so much trash, Ray Allen's epic free throw competitions with LeBron in Miami, and the moment Tyrese Halliburton knew Pascal Siakam would be a good fit in Indy. In addition to player interviews, every Monday, J.J. breaks down the top three things happening around the NBA with unmatched analysis. Analysis, not outlandish takes, and is often joined by masterminds of the game like Tim Legler to dive deep on rookie reports, trade breakdowns, and why is mean mugging now a tech? You won't find another outlet that covers the game as comprehensively and with such insight as JJ does it on The Old Man and the Three. Make this your companion podcast during the playoffs. Listen to The Old Man and the Three ad-free on Wondery Plus or wherever you get your podcasts. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. 
And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Totally fine with Embiid versus Jokic. Uh, I assume you have Embiid as your second team center. Yeah. Uh, I mean, there's, there's, to me, there's no debate. Like those guys could be flip flopped there, but they have to be on first or second team. I, I think that could be a true 50 50 when we get to the end of the year. And uh, look, I mean, those, those guys play each other once more and the bucks also play the, the 76ers as well. So I think there's, uh, there's still plenty of debate to be had when it comes to the MVP and, and first team all NBA with SGA versus Mitchell. I, I, I kind of went into this thinking it was 50 50, I would say if you flip-flop those guys, I think the Cavs are as good, if not better. I don't know if the Thunder are a 500 team right now with with Donovan Mitchell. I think SGA has put that team on his back to an extreme degree. Uh, I think Cleveland is like a perfect spot for Donovan Mitchell. Uh, you know, He has kind of a perfect surrounding cast around him. You got two great big men uh, who kind of handle things defensively. Like I, I, don't, I don't know that we view him the same way uh, if he's on OKC, but of course we have no way to truly verify that. If you look at the advanced numbers... SGA wins just about everything. He's got them significantly in, in PER, win shares, win shares per 48, OBPM, DPPM, of course, overall BPM, VORP. Um, and, you know, there is a gap between these teams. There's, the Cavaliers are 10 games better. And a big part of that is because they traded for Donovan Mitchell. So I, I totally get that argument. Uh, but I also think there's a world in which a week and a half from now, the Oklahoma City Thunder are out of the play-in and maybe like the sixth seed in the West. And I, I do think that's a real possibility. I'm doing a little bit of forecasting there, but you know, if, if SGA carries a team that we thought would be a bottom five team into the postseason, like that's more than enough for me to, to you know think he's deserving of that spot. And in terms of games played, they're almost dead even. Yeah, I think this one, this one to me will probably come down to the end of the season. I'll have to think about it more. I mean, I'm a huge SGA guy. Um, you know, the wins tipped over the edge for me, but if you if you just consider surrounding cast and expectations, I mean, this is another part of the, this is another part of the all NBA debate. That's very similar to the MVP debate, which is just like how much, how much do we knock a guy for having a better supporting cast? Um, yeah. You, you know, like Jokic's supporting cast is worse than Embiid's. Um, should we knock Embiid for that? Even though his numbers are dominant, it's like, you know, so that's, that's kind of the, the SGA yeah. um, Mitchell debate, but, like you mentioned, hey, at the Thunder's over-under before the season was 23 and a half. Uh, they're about mm -hmm. to rattle off pretty much a 500 season. Yeah, and for, I think you have to kind of grade on a curve when you're talking about a team like OKC. You know, if, I don't know, if, if like the, the Nuggets were 36 and 36, we wouldn't be like, man, what a year, Jokic, carrying this team to 500. <laughs> uh, but when the team was expected to win like 18 games and they're going to double that, uh, you know, I, I think he deserves some credit. So I, I'm... I'm pretty solidly in the SGA camp. Uh, so to recap, I have SGA, Luca, Tatum, Giannis, and Bede. Uh, you went with Mitchell, Luca, Tatum, Giannis, and Jokic as your first team. So let's let's move over to second team. I have uh, Harden, SGA, Markinen, Jimmy Butler, and Embiid. Okay, I'm filling these in on my sheet here. So. Embiid, Markkanen, Butler, Harden, and SGA. Uh, we are mostly in agreement there. I I bumped Markkanen down to my third team, and I, I did feel good about it. Uh, oh. there, there was kind of a dead heat between him uh, and another guy who I, of course, have on my second team. Uh, no debate at center with Embiid versus Jokic. 
Uh, I also have Jimmy Butler as, as a second team forward. One of the quietest like elite seasons of all time. I, I feel like it hasn't like have we talked about Jimmy Butler at all on this podcast? Has anybody talked about Jimmy Butler? Like he's quietly played way more games than you think. He's second in the league in win shares. He's fourth in the league in VORP. Uh, I mean, he's he's on pace to play close to seventy games, which you know that's just not really the type of guy that he's been in years past. Uh, I, I don't. It's just a weird year. But like when it came down to it, like I I definitely did not come into this thinking I would lock him into second team. I could not find any reason to bump him any lower. No, I mean, this is, like you're mentioning, it, this is one of the best seasons of his career. Like, his his assist to turnover ratio is awesome. Five assists, 1.6 turnovers. His steals are obviously, they're always, he's one of the best defenders in the NBA, right? We don't, we don't have to debate about that, 1.9 steals. Hyper-efficient this year, too. His true shooting percentage is up to 64, um, which is Eesh. an elite number for a non-big. Um, and maybe just an elite number in general. So, I think he's not getting a lot of credit because the team is just so underwhelming. But I mean, mm. like, it's not like they're bad. Like they're 40 and 34. Um, yeah. They might still, they, they still have a good opportunity to rattle off like 45 wins here. So yeah, he's, he was an easy second team guy for me. Like you said. Yeah. It does feel like he's just kind of been lost in the wash. That's been a very average season for the heat, but they haven't been bad. Like they're not, they're not 34 and 40. I mean, they're, they're six games above 500. They'll probably finish, you know, eight or nine games above 500. I, I think they'll end up passing Brooklyn for the six seed. So it's not like this goes down to some sort of catastrophic failure. And, you know, Kyle Lowry has been in and out. A lot of their role players who have given them good minutes over the last couple of years have just been okay this season. I, I think they've had some pretty big, some pretty big fall off there. Uh, it's basically been Jimmy and Bam carrying this team the entire year. I will say I did, I did not find a spot for Bam on third team. Really, really wanted yeah. to. Couldn't quite do it. I mean, especially because he's played center for them all year. Like, it's just, it's really, really hard. Like, center is so loaded right now. It is. I mean, I I did think about him versus Sabonis. This is, this is a tease. I yeah. have Sabonis on my third team. I did think about him versus Sabonis, and I think, you know, if... I, I don't know. I mean, I think they're... Adebayo might be better than Demar Sabonis. And I... He, Maybe he is. I mean, if you had to like start a franchise, I don't. It's a tough decision. You had to pick one guy to win a playoff series. Like yeah. these are tough questions to answer between the two guys, um, partially because they're they're pretty different players. Um, and and Adebayo is clearly the better defender. And this gets into this is almost like a mini um, this is like a mini Jokic versus Embiid debate because it's like how much <laughs> yeah. do you value how much do you value um, uh, like passing versus defense. You know, that's kind of what it comes down to. Yeah, it's like triple A Jokic versus a B. That's a, it's a great cop because, yeah, they're totally opposite players, completely opposite players in many ways. You know, I, I think Bam Bam has some of the playmaking, but not nearly on the level of Sabonis. Yeah. And obviously Sabonis doesn't bring it defensively like Bam does. I, I will say I, I went with Sabonis as well for my third team. Um, so I, I haven't even said my second team yet and I'm already revealing like half my third <laughs> team, but, uh, the Kings are only three games better than the heat. You know, like I, I think right. there's this inherent, like, well, you know, the Kings are having this crazy season, you know, they're, they're running away, uh, in the West. And I mean, they're 43 and 29, the heat are 40 and 34. So like, there's not, there's not a huge difference there. And Bam has also played 69 games. So bonus has played 70. Uh, so that, that really is a close debate. If, if somebody you know wanted to say they have Bam on the third team over Sabonis, totally okay with that. Um, you know, if, if you have the flexibility to put Bam at forward, I would also be okay with that. But uh, I, I mean, he's played almost exclusively center for them this year. So I, I didn't really feel comfortable there. My second team, I have Nikola Jokic at center. That's a no doubter. I have Jimmy Butler at forward. I have Julius Randle mm. as my other forward. 
Okay. And I have Donovan Mitchell and James Harden as my guards. Uh, wasn't a lot of debate for me on Harden. I think you and I have been in lockstep on him. I feel like he's, he's somehow become really underrated. He's having a monster year. He's a big part of the reason Philly is having the second half surge. I, I think I, I feel totally comfortable with him on the second team. You know, we already talked about Mitchell, uh, you know, potentially being a first teamer. I think second team's totally good there. Randall versus Markkanen was really, really tough. Yeah, I uh, I kind of just threw, I mean, I, now that you say it, I think it probably is closer than I gave it credit, but I just I just threw Markkanen in there maybe because I don't necessarily value Randall's rebounding and, and playmaking with as much, um, I don't know. I, I don't view it as highly as I think what marketing is doing from an efficiency standpoint. Um, and they're not yeah. asking, you know, marketing to, to be anything more than just like a, a, a shooter and a, a scorer. Um, I think it is closer than I probably gave it credit. Was there like a specific tipping point for you? Was it games played plus team success, you know, plus better rebounding and playmaking? Was it just, is that what it kind of came down to? Yeah, more so the the former. Uh, I, w- I mean, Randall's played 10 more games. He's played like almost 500 more minutes. Um, and, you know, as, as fun as this Jazz season has been, they're, they're two games under 500. The Knicks are 10 games over 500 in a really, really difficult Eastern Conference. I mean, they've basically held that five spot for most of the year. Uh, I, I Again, I, I did not expect to come into this and, and go with Julius Randall, who, you know, he's going to make one of these teams. I think, you know, maybe it's more likely that he ends up on the third team but that'll be two all NBAs in three years for Julius Randle. And I mean, he was awful last season. I did, I did not think he would have a, a resurgence in the way that he has, but I mean, his field goal percentage is better than it was two years ago. The three point shooting, you know, isn't quite at that level, but it's significantly better than last year. Uh, you know, he's up over 10 rebounds a game. The playmaking has been there. The turnovers are actually down uh, from last season, despite playing two more minutes per game. Uh, you know, I, I think the one thing I had to reckon with is, Market has kind of done it by himself in Utah and like, you know, guys like Jordan Clarkson and, and Walker Kessler and Olenek have had nice years. Uh, so it's, I was kind of trying to decide like how much does the addition of Jalen Brunson, like how much did that solidify right. things for Randall and give him a boost? Uh, so yeah, I, I have really no qualms between marketing and Randall there, but the, the combination of games played minutes played better record just tilted it slightly in favor of Randall for me. Yeah. And I don't, you know, I don't love marketing's negative assisted turnover ratio. Um, but yeah, I mean, if you kind of want to use, like, the SGA versus Donovan Mitchell argument, I think this is actually kind of similar. Like, nothing was expected of the Utah Jazz. Yeah. And now Markkinen is, has done this and kind of brought them up and out. Um, I mean, some of, some of that's Kessler, too, right? Like, it's not. Right. It's not like just Laurie Markkinen did that. But um, that's one I think I could also be convinced of and, and may change if, if you give me another 10 games and, and I really sat down and <laughs> gave this specific debate a tongue of time, which, mm-hmm. you know. Maybe, maybe that's worth it. Maybe it's not. Um, okay. So, yeah. And I think, you know, you're right about, you mentioned Harden. I mean, I completely agree about Harden. I don't know why. Like, I remember leading up to the All-Star game when the discussions sort of started about who's who's an All-Star this year. And people are like, oh, I don't know if Harden's an All-Star. I thought that was crazy. Um, averaging, like, a really efficient 20 and 10 for a team that now, at least, um, looks like a legitimate contender in the East. I think people just soured on Harden in general, like Harden, the person Harden, you know, forcing his way out of Brooklyn. I think there was just this, this kind of level of like, all right, dude, we're, we're, we're just kind of done with you. We don't like the way you play. Uh, you, you've been, you know, foul baiting for years and you, you never had playoff success. And it, it felt like all that kind of mounted together 
and collectively people just decided that they they didn't like James Harden. But I mean, he's leading the league in assists. He's at almost 11 per game. You know, the rebounding is where it's always been. The scoring has been fantastic. He's kind of right back to his normal uh, peak efficiency, which was not the case last year. I mean, he was almost a 40% shooter last season. He's up closer to 45 this year. The three-point shooting is back, still hyper-efficient at the line. Uh, and yeah, I mean, he, he he gets credit too for just finding ways to fit in, you know, right? I, I think he was such a singular force during his peak years that you always kind of wondered, like, can he play with other guys? And I, I think he's fit in perfectly in Philly. So I, I, I feel really good about him on the second team. You know, we mentioned the the kind of dearth of forwards. That's like the one spot that was pretty tough in the third team. Uh, is there anybody else at either guard or forward that you, you either wanted to or thought about sneaking onto your second team? Sneaking onto my second team. Um, I, I have a couple guards that I think you could you could make a case for. I mean, I think Trey Young is in there. I mean, you no, not even with the sixty six games. No, he's he's in my honorable mention. No, I didn't. I did not think about putting him on second team. I mean, he he ended up like the way I kind of do it is I just I, I start putting together like a list of guys and I start not, knocking guys down and he basically got knocked down all the way out of contention. Um, but he was at least you know part of part of the. the the thought process for me. I don't know. I mean, were you thinking Morant? Um, I don't know. Booker. I mean, Booker's only got 45 games though. Obviously yeah. Curry. it's, it's a games played equation. Halliburton's in there. Right. Uh, I mean, for me, Lillard and Fox are the two sure. that I, I really thought about. I mean, I, I, I feel like Fox almost deserves it, but you know, I, at the same time, you know, when you start to dig into the numbers, I mean, he's, he's had a, a fantastic year. He's played a ton of games, but he, he's not quite on that elite level, especially in, in, in the efficiency metrics. Um, and again, the, you know, the Kings have 43 wins. They don't have 55 wins. So I don't, I don't feel this internal obligation uh, to, to put one or two Kings on, on the first two teams. Uh, but I, I think he's very worthy of a spot. That's a little tease for my third team. And then with Lillard, I mean, it's been so like doom and gloom with the Blazers, although they did win last night, uh, that it, it feels like he's kind of, you know, this team is just like fizzling at the wrong time. Like if you had taken the vote a month ago, I think he's like very solidly on the second team, but he's still averaging 32 points per game. Right. And he's been super efficient. He has like nothing around him. His team is crumbling. Um, he's not sitting out games. So I, I, I kind of wanted to find a way to, to push him up a little bit more, but you know, I couldn't justify putting him over Luca SGA Mitchell or Harden. Um, I'm, I'm not with you on Trey young. I mean, in some ways we're, we're almost blessed that that some of these elite names have missed so many games because like, imagine having to decide between all the players we've mentioned and then you throw in Morant, Curry, Halliburton, Booker. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it's just insane. Yeah. Um, I, this is going to be a really weird year for all NBA, just with how people decide to vote. Cause I think there's going to be so many different mindsets going into it. And I think it's going to be really contentious. And I, because I think there will be some people who vote Curry and they're going to look at his games. Oh, no question. They're, going to, they're going to see 55 and they're going to be like, well, I think Curry's better than Harden. And they're going to put him on second team. I think Curry will make second team. I do. I don't have him on any of my teams, but I think he will make second team. I, I, I think the name value is there. I mean, we saw it a couple of years ago with LeBron where everybody was like, oh, he's not going to make any team. And then he snuck on despite playing like 47 games or whatever it was like, people tend to vote for those type of players. Um, and, and I think you're right because it's, it's interesting. Like a bunch of guys are going to finish in like the low fifties, like Devin Booker will probably get to like 54 games and that's right, right on the borderline. So some people, some people will vote him third team. I, I think that's going to happen. Uh, yeah. And, and John Morant, you know, he'll be probably around 60. Kawhi will likely be yeah, Kawhi. right at like 51, 52. 
Uh, it's it's so tough. I mean, LeBron could even get to 50 at this point. Like all these names that we're mentioning, I I, I kind of leaned in favor of, of guys who've played, you know, at least like two thirds of the season. But I, I, I think any of those guys that, that we, we just talked about could end up making a second or third team. Like it, it's all in the eye of the beholder. Yeah, I think there's a case. I think anybody this season, I was going through some of the advanced numbers and it seems like 1500 minutes is basically the cutoff for anybody that has a legitimate argument to make the team besides Kawhi, who I think is just a hair under uh, yeah. 15. But he'll, he'll cross that tonight. Right. So I think it will end up being about 1500 minutes that if you're below that mark, there's no chance. Um, but there are elite guys around that territory. So it's, it's very difficult. And if Kawhi didn't start the year off so slow, like if Kawhi played five more games and he didn't start off horribly, he would like, I would just be probably be on third team. Um, he still very well may. I don't know. I mean, like if he if he goes nuts these last ten games without Paul George, like I I, I still true. think there's there's some time here. I mean, we still have what like an eighth of the season left. Yeah, because I think some people are gonna they're gonna make this list probably the way you and I made it, which is like maybe more conservative than we should be, but a conservative list based on games played, and. They're going to be like, well, okay, my second team is, you know, my second team's Harden, SGA, Markin, and Butler, and Bede. What if I could just make my second team Curry, SGA, Kawhi Leonard, Jimmy right. Butler, you know, like, and I think that that's going to cross some people's minds and they're just going to think like, should I just mm -hmm. do that instead? Like, we're really debating over like eight games. We know who's better. Yeah, I mean... I we'll get to third team in a sec, but I could tell you right now, like, I could make a fourth team of... LeBron James, Kevin Durant, Kawhi Leonard, Steph Curry, Thomas yeah. yes. Halliburton. Like, that's insane. Yeah. That is just ridiculous, man. Like, there's going to be so much turnover year over year. I mean, I, I look back at last year's All-NBA. It's 15 guys. I only have five of last year's 15 All-NBA players on my teams. Yeah. Yeah. And so, I don't know how it's going to turn out. Part of me part of me wanted to do it the other way. Part of me wanted to come in here yeah. hot and be like, that's you know so what? Curry, Curry's on my first team over, over Mitchell. I just couldn't do it. Yeah. Um, Curry's making one of the teams. I'll say that I, I'm, I'm going to be in the wrong here. This is, you know, this is more right. so like how I would vote as opposed to what I think will happen. Uh, he's going to make it. I, if LeBron comes back and plays like three games and they, and they like lock in a playoff spot, I, I feel like some people are going to vote for him. I mean, he, he's been fantastic when he's been out there. Um, all right, let's, let's get to third team, but we'll, we'll, we'll do a lot more discussion on this after. I, I had some real debate on third team guard. I think that just the list of guys was, was really um, extensive, yeah. but I've, I've, Ended up, I made a I made a late change actually about five minutes before the pod. Um, oh. I got Drew Holiday, Damian Lillard, Pascal Siakam, Julius Randle, Demarcus Sabonis. Okay, okay, I like it a lot. We we talked about Randle already. Uh, we hit Dame. I have him on my third team. I have Lillard, De'Aaron Fox, okay. Laurie Markkinen, Jalen Brown, and oh. Demonte Sabonis. As my third team. So that, that third team forward spot was really tough. And then, like you said, the guards were impossible. I mean, it, the names that were left on the cutting room floor for me were Curry, Halberton, Morant, Jalen Brunson, Trey Young, Darius Garland, uh, you know, Devin Booker, Desmond Bain, Fred Van Vliet. And then of course, Drew Holiday. Drew is the one guy that I, I, I knew, I knew I was not going to have room for him. I, I think he absolutely deserves a third team spot. It came down to Holiday versus Lillard versus Fox. I, I just couldn't quite get there. I I initially thought Brown was going to qualify at shooting guard. I was wrong. 57% of his minutes at small forward this season. So he should be a forward. Um, 
I don't know if that would really change anything for me. Wait, who is that? Him, him, Jalen Brown? Jalen Brown. Him versus Siakam's interesting. Yeah. I think a lot of people will end up putting Brown over Siakam because Siakam yeah. was borderline for me. I mean, <laughs> I kind of had like a little bit of a debate between Siakam, Julius Randle, and Kristaps Porzingis, <laughs> which I know sounds ridiculous, but... The, the new GOAT debate. But, <laughs> but Porzingis has been playing really, really well, and the, the advanced numbers love Porzingis. Bradley Beal has been pretty absent this season and they're still a fine team. Um, and he's the best defender of the three. So um, I think he, he weirdly has a case, but no one's going to, if Bra- if Jalen Brown qualifies at forward, no one's going to give Porzingis any thought whatsoever, even though I think he, he, he might be on my fourth team. Um, yeah. Fox Fox was tough. So I actually initially had Halliburton on third team. Yep. And I was also kind of debating between Fox but the reality is I just think Drew Holiday, like Drew Holiday is the guy I would want if I had to try to win a playoff series. And I think he's the, I think he just is the best player of the three. He doesn't have the gaudiest stats. His steal numbers aren't even that high, but we all know how good of a defender he is. I think Halliburton, again, these guys all deserve some sort of spot, but um, I just went with Drew. He's just playing on the best team in the NBA and mm-hmm. um, one of the best defenders in the NBA. He's looked amazing all season. Totally, totally fine with that. I, as I sit here in Milwaukee, Wisconsin, I hope that's what happens. And I, I think he has a real shot. I, I think there are some people that are are still a little bit, uh, you know, iffy on this Kings team. I think there are some voters that will look at what's going on in Portland and say, okay, this team's going to finish like 12th or 13th yeah. in the Western conference. I'm, I'm not voting for that team. I don't care you know, what your numbers are. Uh, but I, I like, I've watched a lot of Portland this year for whatever reason they're, you know, they play late. I'm always watching games late. Lillard's just, I mean, he's having a, an unbelievable year with nothing yeah. around him. Like we mentioned it earlier, is at 32 points per game, you know, amazing efficiency. I don't really blame him for anything that's gone on with this team. Like the numbers to me are, are they're on the level that they're overwhelming enough that I'm not going to hold it against him. Uh, but, you know, again, would not be shocked if he, if he ends up missing out altogether, especially, especially if he misses, you know, let's say that they, they kind of quote unquote shut him down. Let's say he plays three games the rest of the way that, that to me would probably break the tie. Like if he doesn't get to 60 games, then, then it becomes a much more interesting discussion. And I would, I would lean holiday, um, you know, in that one, but the Halliburton thing is, is really interesting too, because we have no idea how many games he's going to play. He's missed time recently. Um, and, you know, the efficiency numbers love him. Yeah. He, he's at 54 games right now. Um, the efficiency numbers love him. I they're at or above 500. Essentially when he plays, he's great on defense as well. And he's you know, this is a fantasy podcast. He's like one of the best fantasy players, um, <laughs> fantasy point guards like ever created. He's like in, from a lab uh, to get yeah. you fantasy value. But it's just tough when you compare him to Drew Holiday. And uh, yeah, the, you mentioned the Lillard, Lillard versus Fox debate. I think that's going to drive some people crazy. It's going to be really tough because Fox has played 65 games for a team that's, you know, yeah. like legitimately going to compete in the West. And but we, I think you and I feel the same way about Lillard. The numbers are insane. This is one of the best individual yeah. guard seasons ever. And he's going to scrape by on third team, maybe, because his team is so bad. I and mean, he only played 58 games. It's it's tough. I mean, Lillard versus Curry, I think, could even become an interesting debate. Yeah. Because if we assume Curry, like they, they could end up only like two or three games apart if, if Lillard ends up missing time here. I mean, he's only 10 up on Steph. Right. right now. And and you could argue Curry's been just as good. Um, you know, he's, he's kind of missed time more sporadically. The one thing though, with Steph is that he no longer has the really good team feather in his cap. Yes. 
Um, I still think, I still think people blame that on everybody else except Steph Curry, though. And and probably fairly. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, but I don't know. I mean, I, they're they're two games above five hundred too. It's not like they're they're sitting in eleventh. Right. I mean, I thought about that as well. The games played thing. I looked at Curry versus Lillard, and I'm like, well, I do think Curry's better than Damian Lillard. The seasons are pretty comparable, although I could you could maybe say Lillard's having the better year. But the games played again. Games played matters, but if we're talking about a difference in five games, yeah. I mean, what, that's like an ankle sprain. We're really going to knock one guy down because he missed five games because of an ankle sprain? You got to find something to break the tie when it's this <laughs> I mean, close. Yeah. I mean, it, it, doesn't, it doesn't always feel great, that's for sure. And again, I want to hammer home. Like, we, I don't even have Steph Curry on my team. Neither do you. This, you know, Halliburton, Morant, uh, Jalen Brunson, Trey Young. I mean, it's just really, really loaded. Uh, and like you said at the top, it's a good point. Like A lot of the injuries that we've talked about all year – some of them are concentrated with the guards, but it, it, to me, it's really the forwards that are suffering here. I mean, you know, no LeBron, no KD, no Kawhi on any of our All NBA teams. Right. Uh, Siakam is an interesting one. I, I definitely had him in my all on my honorable mentions. He's been healthy. That's a you know a, a big feather in his cap. He's got 63 games played. He'll he'll get over 70 pretty easily. I I, I don't know. There's some with some with Toronto. I just like wasn't really fired up about any of those guys. Well, I mean, I feel the same way. That's why I was thinking about Porzingis over him um and maybe i mean i I I, I can't i can't put a wizard on my team i'm sorry i don't i don't want to either but um you know they they have uh they have the same record as portland so i don't um uh but yeah now that i realize that jalen brown's a forward i think that might be the easier decision over siakam i might actually prefer that um Mm -hmm. yeah i mean did you did you think about like where it was like Booker and AD were those guys like automatic cross-offs for you? I wouldn't say automatic, but it, it just made the exercise easier to say, okay, I'm, I'm, I got to eliminate somebody here. You know, Booker's at 45 games played. So we're looking yeah. at 55 best case. Uh, you know, the Suns are are a good team. They're not a great team. So I don't think he gets that inherent bump. Uh, you know, the last couple of years, it's like, all right, the Suns are in first place by eight games in the West. Like you, you kind of had to take that into consideration. And the fact that you know he's playing well, but they're not a dominant team, I, I think that causes him to lose some steam. So Booker for me was a, a pretty easy omission. And I mean, AD has been amazing when he's been on the floor. I mean, it's the same conversation that we have with him every year. And if, if he plays every game the rest of the way, he'll get over 55 and some people will vote for him. But I, I mean, w- what's tough about AD is that like first and second team center are just unavailable. So, yes. you know, there's basically one center spot and you're debating AD versus Sabonis, who, who's going to play like almost 30 more games. Uh, to me, that was, it was just too big of a gap. You know, if AD was going to play 65 and Sabonis was going to play 77. Yeah. Maybe I would think about it, but I, I thought the gap was too big there considering there's just one spot available. He got knocked by playing too much center this year. Um, yeah. Because I think a lot of Bad people would have, I mean, a lot of people would have voted him in third team forward if that was an option. Um, he's, he's been a monster statistically. Uh, there's, there's still, I don't know. Like I, I watch almost every Lakers game. I watched him last night. He was, he was very good last night, but there's just an element. Like, I, I just don't like, I, I don't think people fear Anthony Davis. And I, I know people allegedly don't fear LeBron either per Mario Chalmers. <laughs> uh, but like, you know, it's like LeBron's out and you're thinking, all right, man, Lakers, they, they got to win some games here. Lock in a playoff spot. Is that, is anybody like, oh man, AD is going to go crazy these next couple of weeks. It's like, hopefully AD shows up. Like, that's not what you're supposed to be saying about a guy who's like allegedly a top 10 player in the league. You know, like, I, I don't know. It's just, it's the same complaint we've had about him for the last decade. 
Yeah, I feel like I've he's been one of my number one guys in, in terms of he's frustrating to watch because you feel like he has the talent. Like, because you see those games out of him where yeah. God knows why he do, he realizes that he's, you know, seven foot uh, 250, basically insane wingspan can just bully ball everybody when he when he decides to bully ball everybody. It's like it's over, but he just rarely decides to do that. He takes his turnaround jumpers. Um, yeah. his weird sort of like, he's not the same type. It's just, it's interesting to me. I mean, this is something, you know, Bill Simmons has talked about where he thinks AD's gotten too heavy. And I think that's a fair debate to have. It's just tough to know which way you should go as a player. But it's, it's funny to me that for so long, nobody ever brings this up anymore, but it used to be a trope where it was like, oh, you know, AD used to be a point guard and yeah. then he, when he was a kid and then he, he had this growth spurt and then he turned into this. Well, shouldn't that make him like more... In theory, he could have just turned into he could have been Giannis, right? Like Giannis he could have been like that. better touch. Yeah. He could have been Giannis with better touch. He could have been Giannis with a jumper. Um, but he just he got too comfortable kind of playing like that pick and pop. I'm gonna get the ball in the high post, turn around at the nail jumper, and he should really just be trying to like break people's sternums going to the basket. I feel the exact same way. And then you look up, but he's still getting like 26 and 14, right. a lot of nights. I mean, yeah. So it's like, it's like, he's, he's like struggling and yet is still like an elite player. Um, so I, I have a hard time, like really poking holes in this game, but it's, I mean, you can't, you can't put somebody on an all NBA team based on like a intangible, like killer instinct. That's just, I just wish <laughs> you, you had more, you know, it's like, maybe, you should just feel better about a player who's this well-regarded skill. wise Maybe, maybe our all NBA fourth team should just be guys who have that dog in them. Yeah. All and, dog uh, team. All dog. The all dog team. <laughs> That's oh, what they should man. do. The top 15 dogs in the league at the end of each year. <laughs> um, all right. Well, let's talk about more about center because I feel like we just breezed right through first and second team. You know, it's Embiid and Jokic. We know that. Yeah. We're in agreement on Sabonis. I, I think we could close to lock that up. There are a few guys I want to talk about here who have a case, but I, I think, you know, barring a, a total collapse over the last couple of weeks here by the Kings, I think Sabonis is going to get that spot, which is terrible because Brooke Lopez to me has a case. Jaron Jackson Jr. has been the best defensive big man in the league yeah. for a lot of the season. Uh, we talked about Adebayo. Would love to get him on there. We talked about AD. <laughs> for whatever reason, I wrote Nicholas Claxton down as an honorable mention. I mean, he'd, he'd be like my eighth eighth team All-NBA. Uh, but but Lopez and Jackson, to me, are, are the really tough ones. Yeah, Jackson, I mean, he starts at power forward technically, or did before. Right. Um, but he still played most of his minutes at center. Um, yeah, he's honorable mention. I... That defensive player of the year debate is going to be tough. I mean, I was pretty sure Jackson had it locked up, but there's a lot of momentum towards Lopez at this point. I still think, I still think Triple J is the more versatile defender, and I give I give a little more. I lean more towards the versatile defenders, the Draymond Green types, rather than like the Rudy Gobert types. Um, and then, uh, yeah, we talked about out of bio. It's interesting because so many. I mean, there's going to be a lot of NBA teams that have two kings on them, with Fox and Sabonis, and I think that's deserving. Um, on the other hand, I think you could, you could equally and fairly construct an all NBA, all NBA, uh, your all NBA teams with no Kings on them. Like, I think if you did, if, yeah. I think if you had out of bio third team center, I'd be like, that's fine. And then you didn't have Fox in there. I'd be like, yeah, sure. Um, so that, that makes it tough. And then, um, who's the third guy you mentioned? Was it Claxton or was there, was there somebody else? It was Claxton. I was kind of joking about him. I, oh. I think the guy I should have mentioned is probably Evan Mobley who's not, he's not going to make it, you know, the numbers are not overwhelming, but a lot of the advanced defensive metrics, like really, really like Evan Mobley. 
you know, d- defensive win shares. He leads the league right now by a pretty huge margin. Uh, he's, he's actually pretty high up the board just in terms of total win shares as well. He's in the top 20, uh, way up there in wins per 48. Uh, you know, the defensive box plus minus values him about equally to Brooke Lopez. Uh, so I, I think he'll get some some votes. I don't think he has a real chance to make it, but I, I think the the split between Sabonis, Jackson, and Lopez is going to be really interesting. I, I think Sabonis gets it, but I think it'll be fairly close. Yeah, I think Sabonis gets it as well. Um, and I again, I think it's it's how much you have, how much you value passing versus defense, and mm-hmm. I think that's going to partially what I I honestly the the MVP debate has gotten has gone in so many different directions that it's it's hard to even know you're being tugged in, in a million different ways. But I think I think a, just a huge portion of it comes down to defense versus passing. Which do you find more valuable? And I think to some extent that's yeah. unanswerable. And um, I think I think it's the same way for Sabonis versus Adebayo. I think it's unanswerable, and I, I think in general the the more offensive focused players tend to have the advantage because I, I still think we're just not good at quantifying defense. You know, right. I, I think if you're if you're deep in the weeds on analytics, yeah, you you have a, a pretty decent understanding. But I, I think you you look at blocks per game and steals per game, or who has like these highlight blocks at the rim. Um, and that's kind of all you have to go off of with, with some of these defensive players. Like the, the average fan is not like clued in on, Oh, what were the rotations supposed to be on that play? <laughs> so I, I think inherent, I think inherently the, the more offensive focused player tends to win out. Uh, yes. Yeah. I mean, there, there are like some, we've gotten better, uh, defensive stats. You know, there's like f- opposing field goal percentage at the, at the rim or like, uh, expected, you know, lower than expected shot percentage against your defender and deflections and all those things. But it feels hard to sort of include those in like a full analysis of two different players, like Embiid versus Jokic or Sabonis versus Adebayo. Um, uh, defense is really still an eye. Is it feels a lot more like an eye test thing where you watch the game and you're like, wow, that you know, player X cannot get anything against Adebayo tonight. Like you can you can actually see the frustration of the offensive player about how just like they cannot deal with this guy. Um, and I think that's, that's where you see it a lot, but again, how you, how do you, how do you compare that to, well, Sabonis is passing. It's been awesome. I mean, look at the way he, he hit Curter yeah. for this back cut. How does that compare to the way Adebayo affected a floater from Jalen Brunson? I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. I, I I hope that in the future we'll we'll have better ways to quantify this. I don't know. Maybe maybe it was better when we just like didn't look at numbers at all and we just right. went like purely on <laughs> on vibes and we we just decided that like Monte Ellis is a top twenty player in the league because he he looks cool. There, I mean, there's something to be said about that. I mean, I mentioned that to you on a podcast a couple weeks ago about the MVP debate. I'm like, all these guys' numbers yeah. are stupid. They're all ridiculous. They're all Hall of Fame. They're all yeah. Just watch the just watch two hours of each of these guys and make your decision. That is true. I, I think we're always searching for like this golden statistic that will right. win over everybody and be like, aha, I have found the MVP and this is why like there, that's not happening. And I don't think it's going to happen anytime soon. Like I, I, I don't, I don't think we're going to go back to a world in which just like one player runs away with this. Like all, all these guys who are good right now. Uh, I mean, obviously like the, the LeBrons and the KDs of the world are, are going to decline at some point, but I like, I, I think we're going to be in the exact same position next year. Uh, you know, barring injuries and, you know, I mean, Giannis has been super durable and beads turned into a really durable player, all things considered. Jokic might be the most durable of them all. Like I, I think this is just going to continue for the next three to five years. I think so too. And it's, it's, it, it's even tougher because all of these guys, like you can kind of play the numbers game more so when players play styles are similar. 
-hmm. it's tougher when all of these guys that we're talking about are completely different players. Like Jokic, Embiid, and Giannis are not similar at all. And they're all completely different from Doncic, who doesn't play like Tatum. None of these guys play the same way. So we can all look at their numbers and be like, oh, assisting rebounds. They're not, you can't, it's not, they're not similar at all. So the numbers mean different things. And again, it's a play styles thing. And I, listen, I love it for the NBA. It's amazing that all of like the, maybe the five best players in the NBA all have extremely distinct play styles that are different. That's amazing. Um, But it it only makes the debate more difficult. And I think um, people get lost in the weeds of other stuff. 100%. I think that was well said. Uh, I will put, when we post this episode, we'll, we'll put the the first, second, and third teams for each of us in the episode description. Um, so if you want to reference those, you can just take a look as you're listening. Uh, but really fun discussion overall. Uh, yeah, I think we, we hit on just about everybody. I don't have anyone else on my list who we haven't mentioned. Uh, I do want to spring one last thing on you, though, Alex. All rookie. All rookie. We're, we're just going to do a first team all rookie real quickly. And I'm, I'm going to give you Walker Kessler. Paolo Bancaro and Jalen Williams as free spaces who get the other two spots. Um, wow. Um, Matherin and, um, why am I blanking on somebody? It's um, tough. I don't think, I think Matherin is, is a fairly obvious fourth. I think there's some Math- debate there, but I, I think the fifth spot, it could be anybody. Matherin is four for sure. You, so you don't have a strong lean either. Well, I, I mean, I think there are a handful of candidates, of course. Is that, I, I think it could be it could be Murray. It could be Jalen Duran if you want to go that way. It could be, oh. uh, you know, Jamari Smith if, if you just want to go, like, total minutes played, I guess. Um, I, might, I don't know. Other than that, then you get into a bunch of guys who've just had flashes. Well, uh, maybe it's – I mean, it's probably what Keegan Murray versus Jaden Ivey. Um, yeah, Jaden Ivey is the other one I should have mentioned. Yeah, I, I think Murray and Ivey are, the, are probably the big two. I think I would go Ivy. I would go Ivy over Murray. It's tough. You know, Murray's contributing. Murray's a contributing role player on a very good team. And Ivy has turned into like the number one option on a a garbage team. But um, Ivy's look pretty good, man. I mean, he's, he still has some stuff in his game that, you know, leaves like there's stuff to be desired, right? Like he's not a very good free throw shooter. He's his defense isn't great, but he's improved as a passer. He's a lot more comfortable in that way. Yep. Um, it's just tough. Like, you think about the Pistons situation. Like, what do you even expect from this guy? I, I still think his talent is going to – I think his, his talent is still worth um, – I would give him that fifth spot. Yeah, I think that makes sense. Uh, it's it, it's going to be really, uh, really close, though. I, I think some people would lean the other way, go with the, you know, like you said, contributor on a good team in Keegan Murray. Uh, obviously, obviously, Ivy's had a lot of the pitfalls that – most rookie guards in bad situations have in terms of turnovers, lack of efficiency. Uh, he's not a good free throw shooter, uh, but it's, it's not like last year where I felt like we had a pretty obvious five last season with Barnes, Cunningham, Mobley, Wagner, Jalen Green. Like there was really nobody else who was penetrating that starting lineup. Uh, but I, I think we do have one spot up for grabs this year. I think so. Um, you know, Jalen Smith, it's, it's tough for Jalen Smith, but he's playing better lately. It's good to see. Are you talking about Jalen Smith or Jabari Smith? Sorry, Jabari clear. Smith. It's been tough Sorry. for both. <laughs> it's been very tough for, for Jalen Smith. I mean, Jabari Smith. Yeah, it's like kind of kind of a weird time to bring up Jalen Smith, but uh, I'll allow it. Uh, all right, that, that'll do it for us. You you have Ken and Shannon tomorrow. Uh, I, I assume like no real – are you still doing waiver wire at this point in the year? Yeah, I mean, our final pod's going to be on, I think, the 7th. 
So we we okay. will do waiver wire for people whose leagues go down to the wire. 